Hello, this is Gary Van Warmerdam, and this is the Awareness and Consciousness podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. In this audio podcast, the topic is the spiritual journey. And I want to talk about the spiritual journey in two contexts. One is a person's spiritual journey, whatever that is for them. And the second is what I teach in terms of spiritual journeys, retreats, and intensives, how that relates to a person's personal process and their spiritual journey. And one of my reasons for doing this is that there been quite a few questions about these processes and intensives that I teach, and so maybe they'll get answered here. Of course, always a risk that will raise more questions. In the context of the spiritual journey, I could include anything about personal development, emotional change, relationships, self-help. It's because spiritual journey is about life. Spiritual or spirit means life. And it's your life journey. And more specifically, it's about being happy in your life. And all the self-help, psychology, religion, personal development, success programs, being happy is an important element of that. Maybe the most important element of that. We tend to think of that spiritual journey having a lot to do about God whatever you name him or her to be. We use terms like heaven, like hell, nirvana, samadhi. Whole worlds of language within spiritual traditions to describe the spiritual journey. Part of what makes explaining all of this so challenging is we are describing things that can't be seen. The experiences that are spiritual happen within, they're personal, and they don't translate to anything outside that we have as a common reference. If we were to look at someone's house, we'd all agree that's a house. Although there's millions of different kinds of houses and they're decorated differently, they're built differently, we'd all agree, okay, that's a house. And yet to some people that house is a home, to others it's not a home. And home is a very personal experience. It means different things to different people. And the feeling of being home is a personal experience. These things that are spiritual fall more into that category of personal experiences that we feel. And therefore, just by their nature, are very difficult to describe and very difficult to translate because there's not a common reference as if there would be with a house or a tree. And this causes all these descriptions in tradition and religion to become very confusing and to become steeped in myth. And when things are steeped in myth, Not only do they become confusing, but if you add a little bit of fear, judgment, self-importance, all of which are plentiful and generally readily available in most human minds, there's lots of room for superstition and tyranny. 
So what I like to do is keep this notion of a spiritual journey uh, in as simplest terms as possible, explained in as much common sense as possible, so that we might leave out the myths and therefore leave out the superstition and distortion. And given that this is just one brief audio clip, it's unlikely that we'll get the whole terrain clarified here. But I thought I'd at least point to some things about the landscape. I understood the spiritual journey when I started to mean being happy. At least that's what I wanted personally. And I understood it to mean that, okay, if I want to be happy, which means kind to myself, accepting of myself, enjoying my life, kind and generous with other people, understanding, compassionate, then it's about taking my emotional body that has some amount of love and some amount of fear within it and making sure I had more and more love within myself and less and less fear. And what made sense about doing that was to go find all the things that I feared and get rid of all those fears. And in doing so, there'd be a lot more room for love. Along with changing one's emotional state, there's some other things that have to change as well, and they include beliefs, internal dialogue, and most importantly, a point of view, what some might call a mindset or a consciousness, but I'll call it a point of view or a point of perception. You see, everything begins from that point of perception. In a point of view of victimhood, from a point of view of being a victim, you're going to interpret things and create thoughts of blame, being powerless. You'll believe in those interpretations from that point of view. They appear to be true. And in your belief of those thoughts, you'll create the feeling of being powerless. And so, very often the emotional states we create begin with a certain point of view that leads to an interpretation and beliefs that results in an emotional state. What often fixates a person's point of view in a state of victimhood or judgment or righteousness, pride, arrogance, are a set of beliefs. Those might be in a self-image, beliefs about oneself. So those beliefs fixate a person's point of view. And that point of view dictates then how they interpret situations, make interpretations about themselves. One puts their faith in those interpretations and the emotions result. We put more faith in beliefs, it fixates our point of view. That point of view makes all those beliefs appear true. And so we believe in it more and creates more of emotion which fixates the point of view. Breaking free of fear and allowing for more love in our life, meaning more happiness in our life. A large part of this is about taking apart these core beliefs that fixate our point of view and about shifting that point of view so we can take apart those beliefs. The result of which is a change in our emotional state. 
The challenge in all traditions around the world is that we're describing things that can't be seen. They can't be physically seen that would allow a common reference point. We're describing things that happen in the imagination and that happen in the mind. We can only point to, but that people will have to realize for themselves. In doing so, we have to use words to describe and point to these things. The fact that we use words is a great irony to me. It's an irony to me because we're using words to guide people to an experience that's essentially silent. To have a quiet and peaceful mind, to silence that internal dialogue, you're not going to do it with words. To create that euphoric state of love requires that you have a quiet mind. You cannot get there through just the medium of words. By describing it through words, we fixate the mind on knowledge, words, information. So the very use of words creates conceptual ideas, which create beliefs, and lots of thinking and internal dialogue that inhibit this spiritual experience and growth process. The very mechanism of language that we have to communicate is part of the barrier of progress. This is why there's so much more benefit in actual action. Taking an action, doing something different, that creates experience. It's why a lot of people can read 10, 20, 100 different self-help books or spiritual books, spiritual teachings, and not really be any happier in their life. They've taken the process of clearing away the cobwebs of the mind to open up to an emotional experience and a clear perception of life and substitute it with gathering knowledge and filling the mind. But we have to use language. And in that communication, we create a whole dialogue of words to communicate these ideas that relate to experience. In describing things of being in a high euphoric state, uh, an evolved consciousness, it produces a state of incredible love. And we could call that a personal experience of heaven or nirvana, or bliss. Or if we look at the point of view that's associated with that, it might be samadhi, enlightenment. Those points of view produce those states of emotion. Just like being in a point of view of victimhood produces a state of feeling powerless. Point of view of victimhood and judgment can also produce feelings of unworthiness, self-rejection, unhappiness, depression, anger. And we can call that emotional suffering. We could also call it hell, an emotional hell. Different traditions, we might refer to all the beliefs and illusions that trap us in those limiting points of view. Maya, Mara, temptation depending on your tradition. 
All of these words, this terminology in these spiritual traditions, religions, are attempts to describe this world behind the eyes. It's attempts to describe certain points of view, points of perception, very abstract thing, emotional states, the terrain, the obstacles you run into, how you work around them, blow through them, knock them down. Language. Language that structures conceptual ideas and creates massive amounts of knowledge, but not necessarily wisdom. Language attempting to describe the terrain and the actions. One of the traps of that language is that people can get so caught up with trying to understand the language that they don't take any action. They don't move forward. It's one of the ways that our self-importance gets caught up and distorts the process because we become so enamored with sounding so intelligent or becoming intelligent about it or knowledgeable about it that we lose track of really taking action and making progress. There's all sorts of actions one can take. Meditation. To sit still. On the outside, it looks like you're doing nothing. But on the inside, it can be very active. If nothing else, you're breaking up your normal, everyday habit and routine and creating a different experience. Even if that experience is just to take some time, and in that time you become more aware of how much chatter there really is in the mind. And how uncomfortable it is for the mind, for you just to sit still. That's action. One of thousands of actions. To create spiritual change, that emotional change, is done through action. Not through the intellect. Not through feeding the mind more information. And so, if the spiritual journey is one of action, then there's another question. How do we measure progress on this path of action? The spiritual journey, you measure that spiritual journey very simply by your emotional state. And to keep it simple, are you happy or are you unhappy? Are you on a path to happiness or are you on a path to misery? And what turns are you making? And what holes are you falling in? And how long does it take you to get up and go down a different road? In that world, in your mind, how long does it take you to go down a different road of interpretation in your mind? To adopt a different point of view, believe in a different interpretation, and therefore create a different emotional state. One that is kinder, more self-accepting, more loving, more compassionate, where you are happier. 
The other element to use is how much internal dialogue there is. The quieter your mind, then the fewer illusions, temptations, distortions, contradictory beliefs, the more peaceful you will be. There's no external measurements on this. And even within these mechanisms, there's places where we can become distorted. Take, for instance, your emotions. You might feel better defending yourself, sticking up for yourself, but that feeling better might be because the only other option you see is being wrong, losing the argument, or giving in. What your mind constructs is losing. So to feel right or win feels better. But it's within a very limited context and a very limited number of options that you're allowing yourself. In the infinite number of ways to look at things, you're limiting yourself to two. And yes, you might say, well, I'm doing what's best for me and I feel better and this is part of my spiritual path, personal growth, personal development. And using your emotions, you can justify that. But in justifying that, you're not allowing for very many options in point of view. Or even that there's a feeling, an emotional state, more enjoyable than being right. So even this philosophy of greater spiritual growth by pursuing what makes you happy or doing what you feel better about, even the phrase follow your bliss, can be corrupted by self-importance, emotional denial, believing in grandiose self-ideas that hide other emotions, cause us to believe in illusions about ourselves. They might be beautiful illusions, but they're not the truth and require a lot of work to keep up. And even if they are beautiful illusions, they're certainly not as extraordinary as what we really are. I'd say that the immunity against that kind of distortion of our spiritual path by self-importance, emotional denial, that immunity comes with awareness. Not just being aware that you are happier, but what is it coming from? Why? Is it coming from the fact that you're propping yourself up with a nice illusionary story about yourself? With a sense of righteousness and being right as opposed to being wrong? It's an awareness of the subtleties that there's more points of view available. So that awareness opens the door to seeing all these dynamics within. And from seeing it, then you can make changes in that world. To give you a common reference for a state of being, where the mind is quiet, the emotional state is euphoric, you might have that experience if you see something very beautiful, like a sunset. Some people say they takes their breath away, or a landscape of nature. Well, it doesn't exactly take your breath away. What it takes away is all the internal dialogue. 
that experience of perceiving beauty transcends description. And that direct perception of beauty opens you up to a euphoric state of love. Might happen if you listen to certain music for some people. Might happen in the experience of making love. That sexual pleasure can bring about such a euphoric feeling of emotional love that the whole thinking part of the mind stops and you are just focused in perceiving the beauty of that experience that transcends words. That experience of euphoric emotional bliss without the sex that may come in meditation, it may come in a ritual ceremony or whatever your spiritual practice is, or it may just hit you one day walking down the street, your eyes open up and you see the incredible beauty in front of you in a way that you've never seen it before. We call that the spiritual experience. It's the transcendent experience. And what it transcends is all the internal dialogue. And it does that because it takes you to a whole different point of perception that's outside what's normal, beyond what's normal, a non-ordinary perception of life. We call that being spiritual. We could also just call it being free of the limitations of the beliefs and thoughts in our mind that fixate our point of view into a very limited range. Fixates our point of perception, how we see the world into a very limited corner of possibility. It is this desire to escape this feeling of being trapped by things we can't see that all often say our beliefs or that incessant chatter in the mind, escaping that, transcending that gap into the silence that we refer to as in the spiritual journey, seeking a freedom from, through that transcendent experience, and see beauty in life that we can only see when we shift our point of perception. And all of this happens behind the eyes. There's a number of ways to create this experience. And I'll share with you some in the larger context of a spiritual journey, but also within the context of what I'm teaching, both in the audio series on my website, in workshops, and in spiritual journeys that I take people on. One method is to challenge that structure of beliefs in the mind that fixates the point of view, dismantle it, and start freeing up the way we perceive things that allow ourselves to have different interpretations and therefore create different emotional states about the same experience. You know, that's the difference between adopting a victim point of view, having a blame story and judgment story about things versus adopting a forgiveness 
story from a forgiving and accepting point of view that creates a peaceful feeling. It's a different story, but it has to be done from a different point of view as well. This step-by-step process of changing all these individual beliefs is what I teach in the self-mastery program on my site. Walks you through how to combine changing your point of view and your beliefs to create different emotions. Because they come together. They come as a package. If you're in a victim point of view, you're going to create certain emotions, no matter what the topic is. You can try and give yourself another story, but you're going to keep producing those similar kind of emotions and feelings of powerlessness or being abused, people being against you, as long as you're in that point of view of a victim. So that is a very important element to change, that state of mind, that state of consciousness. And it's very often a number of beliefs that fixates that point of view. So to help you free that point of view, you have to dismantle the beliefs as well. This is all very step-by-step and it's a fairly logical approach. There are other approaches. For example, ritual and ceremony. This is one that caused me to really have to stretch when I first started because I come from a very logical try to make sense of things background. And here I was introduced to these practices of ritual and ceremony, highly skeptical of, and turns out years later I'm teaching them. I'm guiding people through this process. And they had the same kind of questions. What is this about? Ceremony is very much about you consciously focusing your attention and your intent for change, or to create that transcendent experience where you shift your point of view into a state of love that facilitates that emotional state of love and bliss, grace. The creating of that, we call it spiritual experience, but that's too vague. Let's call it an experience of love, unconditional love. And from that point of view, all those stories of judgment and victimhood cease to be believable and you can take your faith out of them. And in this way, you dissolve your beliefs and your old points of view very quickly in that transcendent experience that happens through ceremony. Another kind of ceremony is a commitment ceremony. We know those because they're like marriage commitment ceremonies. You come together. You consciously focus your attention. You make a commitment for change. You put your attention, your intent, and your faith in new agreements. You create a life brand new. This is ceremony, conscious choice, towards love, towards respect, towards enjoyment, happiness. There's many different kinds of ceremonies. And you can create them in a way that you choose 
that works for you. This is what's most important about a ceremony. You know, we do ritual and ceremony all the time. If you take a shower, you're doing something ritualistically. You're doing it on a regular basis. You do it with an intent to cleanse that physical body, purify it. In some of the processes I take people through, we do the same thing, except what we're purifying are the states of mind the false beliefs, the fears. Purifying the mind and the belief system of all those distortions and unpleasant emotions. One of the processes that I take people on in the spiritual journeys I lead, an initiation of death. Now that term initiation of death sounds pretty scary. Because our mind can jump to all sorts of conclusions about what it means. And it's our conclusions and our interpretations that scare us, not the actual term initiation of death. Because the truth is, we don't know what it means. But what it is, is a surrendering to death, not of one's physical self, but of that whole structure of beliefs history, the baggage we carry, and surrendering it to death, leaving it behind in the past, instead of continuing to drag it around with us. And it's a very conscious, committed, focused process. You can also do this kind of process every day, just like you give yourself a bath or a shower about every day, and that way you can keep up with things. But if you haven't really cleansed out your mind and your emotions and the history of your past for years, you know, you might want to give yourself a cleansing makeover and catch up. And this is what I invite people to do on these spiritual journeys. Prepare themselves for letting go of who they're not anymore, who they used to be, letting go of what they believe they are so they can really be what they are. In that process of ceremony, we transcend our normal way of looking at things, not necessarily healthy or natural way. We transcend that normal way of how we feel about ourselves and about our life and the people in it. Ceremony is one of those ways to transcend to that other state of consciousness and that euphoric state of love. Meditation is a way, but that's kind of challenging. I'm, I personally don't have the patience for it. I should say I have the patience for it now. I didn't when I started. I wanted results a lot faster. So the ceremony thing kind of worked out for me. Another element to use is a process I call dreaming. You know, meditation is one kind of dreaming, but to me... Dreaming is a much broader and encompasses a wider range of processes. You see, one of the things to realize is that our mind is dreaming all the time already. 
as we're driving down the road to work or home and we're thinking about our day or we're thinking about what we're going to do this tonight or tomorrow or we're having a conversation in our head with somebody we're going to go meet and we spend the whole drive in a conversation imagining a meeting. We're having a whole imaginary experience while we're driving and we pull up and we don't remember getting there but we remember the whole conversation we had in our head. That whole conversation was a dream, a daydream. A lot of times it takes on a life of its own, and in a way, it dreams us, drags us along for the ride. You see, our mind is dreaming all the time, every kind of imagination and visual or simulation or scenario it runs. Memories of the past are dreams. And we often dream them and experience the emotions that come with them. They're fabrication of daydreams or memories that we dream. The practice of dreaming isn't any surprise because it's just an awareness that our mind is dreaming all the time, except When we engage in a process of dreaming, we do it with awareness. We do it with awareness that we are dreaming and that our mind is often taking off on its own and trying to drag us along. And we start to engage in this practice of dreaming that we're doing anyway, except now we do it with awareness. And when you have awareness that you're there in your mind having a daydream and you're aware that it's just a daydream or memory, With that awareness, you can begin to change it. And in that way, you change the interpretations your mind is making. You don't readily believe the old stories. You can change your point of view from dreaming some memory as a victim or a judgment and dream it from a different point of view. See it from a new perspective if you have awareness. And in that way, you start modifying dreams in your mind. You still have the memory of something that happened in the past, but you have a different perspective on it, one with less victimization, one with less judgment. The facts and the history of your life haven't changed, but the way you perceive it and how you interpret it, that's now under your control. Mastering this aspect of dreaming is really just taking charge of this whole world of imagination in your mind and all the stories running there. Meditation is a kind of dreaming. It has a very structured kind of approach, depending on which meditation path you're following. All of them are intended to take control and gain mastery over that world behind the eyes where the spiritual journey actually takes place, where you experience it. So, what is a spiritual journey? It's how you experience your life. How you experience it is largely based on what happens behind your eyes, the interpretations you make, the beliefs you invest in, which results in how you feel about yourself, about other people, the world. And 
there's elements to that world behind the eyes that affect all that. The most noticeable of these is how you feel emotionally. Simply, are you happy? Are you living in a state of love that results in happiness in your relationships with yourself? Or are you unhappy? Which is, are you living in states and beliefs of fear, self-judgment, victimization, that results in emotional suffering? Or we'll say emotional hell. And a lot of that is determined by your point of perception, what viewpoint you adopt, and how you look at things that determines your interpretations that results in beliefs where you put your faith. That point of view, point of perception, so much is the journey, and it's very abstract and difficult to describe. But once you start experiencing those shifts, what it is to change one's points of view and how that changes your whole experience of something. It's hugely dramatic. It's, that particular element is so important and fundamental to the process. It's why there's several sessions in the Self-Mastery Audit Program that are focused very specifically on shifting your point of view. Because without doing that, change in beliefs and therefore changing your emotional state is near impossible. See, and some people, they want to talk about all this religious stuff and religious doctrine in terms of God, life after death, going to heaven or going to hell. Well, I don't think it's that far out in the future. We can experience those things of emotional suffering, living in hell, life is hell, today. Or we can experience this beautiful feeling, and we can call it heaven. When you experience life through the expression of love and the experience of love in that state of heaven, there's an expansion in your point of view, an extension of your consciousness beyond just one point. But you extend your consciousness into multiple points of view. In a way, that expression and that experience of love, that love becomes an extension of your consciousness. That's one of the most amazing aspects of the journey is when your point of view extends into multiple points of view and those multiple points of view are in the field of love. And when your personal expansion of consciousness into that field of love and merges with that collective field of love beyond the personal, 
you begin to perceive life from an expanded field of consciousness based in the emotion of love. Some might want to call that the spirit or God or... Now we're in those abstract terms of mythology again. We'll keep it simple for now. We'll just call it love. And expand our understanding of love to realize it's something that's conscious and it's alive and it's expressing and it's perceiving. And when you experience love from that point of view, that expansive field of love, you perceive life from that consciousness of love. That's a spiritual experience. That's a love experience. Spiritual experience as in a life experience. Possibly even a life-changing experience. So these are some basics of what this spiritual journey is about from my point of view in as much common sense, simple language as I can, hopefully to keep out as much distortion and therefore superstition as possible. And to clarify a few things about what I teach and what I lead people through on those spiritual journeys. It's about common sense, respect, experience of love that transcends those limiting points of view and limiting beliefs. I hope that helps answer some questions that people occasionally have about the spiritual journeys that I lead people on and help put all this stuff that often gets wrapped up in myth into a little more common sense language. If you're interested in the step-by-step approach or an introduction to this process of freeing yourself from that mind of limiting beliefs and fear, then I invite you to start practicing the sessions in the Self-Mastery Audio course. First series is about really breaking free of beliefs. Second series has a lot more to do with some refinements of that, but also really expanding shifting your point of view and cultivating a state of love. And for those of you who want to speed things up, you're invited to join me on my spiritual intensives. You can find out more about those on the events page on my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. This is Gary Van Warmerdam with the Awareness and Consciousness podcast and a little bit about the spiritual journey. And good luck and Godspeed to you in whatever path you make in creating happiness in your life. Thank you.